0: Construction that's taking place is every week now, you're going to start seeing stuff that looks different. Uh, For instance, if the weather holds out, we'll see what happens tomorrow. They're going to pour the slab, and so that'll be poured down, and then on Tuesday, they're going to begin the process of framing. And so it's just it's exciting to look at. There's yellow paper underneath there right now. I don't know what that does, but it's easy to see where the building pad is going to be, and you're, you're able to see kind of get a picture of the size of the building. I know when you look at it right now, you think, it kind of looks small. I think it's 4,000 square feet bigger than where we are now, and it'll double our capacity. And so it's, just a, it's a neat thing to look at, but we'll start to get a better picture of it every week. And so I'll encourage you when you come in every week, just be sure to peek out the windows and take a look and see what's going on. Uh, But today we are continuing our study in the book of Ephesians, and so if you have your Bible and you'd like to go ahead and get a a little jump start, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look in verse number 17. And so as you're turning there, I want to preface uh, the story that I'm going to tell in a minute uh, with this. Uh, Just a few weeks ago... There was an article that came out and said that the number two manliest city, I don't know if you all saw this, number two manliest city in the United States is Columbia, South Carolina. Now, uh, I was especially proud of that. And so I'm telling you all this for a reason. Uh, so, I, so I want you all to know, I live in the number two manliest city in the United States. Uh, I'm going to try to give you all some credibility about my manliness. Uh, I, am a, uh, I am a guy. Um, I, like to, I like to hunt and fish um, I like sports. Uh, but after I got married, um, I, I tried to please my wife, of course. we On Friday, or Saturday nights, I started watching a show with her on TLC. All right, now I'm telling you all about the manly part to just give you all little, give myself some credibility. And one of the shows that I would watch with my wife was a show called What Not to Wear. Now, you might have seen this in your bulletin today. Um, it's not that I liked the show. I had to watch it. But because uh, remember, number two, manliest city, I live there. Uh, so we're watching what not to wear. But there are some interesting things about it. And for those of you who watch the show, some of you uh, ladies and some of you really weak men who are not from Columbia, uh, there's uh, two hosts on the show, Stacy and Clinton. And you might know they go out and they film people who secretly who don't dress all that well. Then they, they you know they catch up to them and say, hey, come in here. I want you to look, see what you're wearing. And they always like, oh, I look terrible. And they say, we're going to give you a $5,000 gift card. And uh, But the, the thing is, we get to take you to New York, up, you pick out a new wardrobe. And then we also have the opportunity to throw away your old wardrobe. Now, here's what's incredible. I, I never realized what a difference a change in wardrobe can make for some people. And just like like new haircuts and stuff. Y'all, this is not sounding good because I'm like real. I was like, this is cool. And so they show these before and after pictures of the people. And it is it is transformative of what happens to people whenever they change their wardrobe, right? For those of you who've watched the show, and you're just like, well, that's really amazing what happens. Well, I tell you this because as we go through our study in the book of Ephesians, what we're looking at today is we're going to see that the Apostle Paul Basically tells us in Ephesians 4:17 and on that we need a new wardrobe, and he's talking about a, so to speak, a spiritual, a, a, a new spiritual wardrobe. A lot of us make many spiritual fashion faux pas, you know, in the way that we live our lives, and, and we and we just continue to hang on to our old way of life so many times. And Paul tells us in our scripture, there's a lot of junk. That you have in your closet spiritually that you need to get rid of. So that whenever people look at you, whenever the world looks at you, they'll be able to tell how Jesus has touched your life. Because folks, and I say this over and over again, it is impossible for Jesus to touch you, to be a part of your life, and it not change you. And so today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see Paul, uh, in a sense, I know this was not his original intent, but it does kind of fit in with where we're going today. He, he kind of gives some spiritual fashion advice here. And he's letting us know of some things that are in our wardrobe spiritually that we need to move out of it so that we will begin to look and be and live like Christ intends for us to. So we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 17. Uh, background information about Ephesus again. A great city, about 250,000 people there. Very metropolitan uh, for this day. It was a banking center in the Roman Empire. It uh, was a port city. People from all over the world would come through Ephesus. And so when Paul saw Ephesus, he saw it as being a great opportunity for Christians to demonstrate through their living The difference that Christ makes in their lives. Because there's nothing more damaging to the witness and the cause of Christ when you see people who talk a big game about Jesus, who talk about, oh, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus, but their lives are lived like everybody else. And the world looks at us and they say, eh, I really don't need that. I don't need hypocrisy in my life. I can live like that on my own. So Paul wants us to avoid that. And he says, here's some junk, some stuff that you got in your closet where Stacy and Clinton are coming over. And they're going to say, this is what you need to get rid of if you're going to be different. Now, what are some things we need to remove from our wardrobe? Uh, the very first thing that I see in our text is we need to remove ignorance of our faith from our wardrobe. You know, ignorance does not need to be a part of who we are. We need to have a knowledge about who our God is. Now, I want you to look in verse 17. It says, Therefore I say this and testify in the Lord, you should no longer walk as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them, and because of the hardness of their hearts. Now, Paul starts off this verse by telling us, he says, you are no longer to walk, how? What does he say? Right, he says nothing. It's really strange. Now, Paul says, you're no longer to walk as, oh, it's not up there, okay. You're no longer to walk as the Gentiles walk. Now, who are the Gentiles? Uh, Just to let you know, Gentiles are people who are not Jewish. You know, they're not a part of the, the covenant relationship Of God from the very beginning. Now, when you look at this, Paul says, "Don't live like them Gentiles do," and that can sound like it's a racist statement that he's making, like you know, like Gentiles are inferior in some way. It's not. It's not a. It's not a racist statement. As a matter of fact, the people that Paul was writing to, the Ephesian church, was mainly made up of Gentile people. And so it seems kind of confusing here. So he said, don't walk like Gentiles. Well, I am a Gentile. What's he talking about? Well, the Gentiles in general were a bunch of pagans. I mean, they're people who did not follow after the God of Scripture. Now, was Paul saying, well, it's impossible for anybody outside the Jewish race to become a follower of God? No. As a matter of fact, in the verses that we looked at in the last, I guess, about two weeks ago, Ephesians 4, 6, it says, we have one Lord, one faith, one baptism, One God and Father of, this is where you all participate, of who? Of all. Now, who do you think all includes? All of us. Uh, One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But if a person does not submit themselves to the leadership of Jesus, they are living outside of the power and the grace of God. And when we're not connected to Jesus, guys, we are going to be very limited in what God can do in our lives. Because we refuse to put on the newness of life that God wants to give us. Now, as I say this, I, you know, I never expect a person who is not a believer, a follower of Jesus, to live like a follower of Jesus. And I think that's a mistake many of us make as Christians. We see people who are not in a relationship with God and we get ticked off at them because they live like pagans. Okay, first of all, you used to be one too. You know, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're in the same boat as they were. That's me as well. The only way, the the only reason why my life is different is not because of because I'm just such a great guy. It's because of what Jesus has done in me. So I don't expect a non-believer to live like a believer. But what about a Christian? What about a believer? Christians, if we claim to be followers of Jesus, your life is to be different. And the reason why is because when Jesus touches you, he changes you. Now, if you're not living differently, if your your thought process, your pattern of, of behavior, your desire to live for God, if you don't have that, you need to be asking yourself, do I even... Have I even been touched by Jesus? Because here's what here's what the Bible says in Second Corinthians five seventeen. It says, "Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone; behold, the new has come." Christians, if God sets your life, has He changed you? You know, one one of the things that God's done for us is that He's put put on the new. It's uh, given us some new clothing. Of one is is forgiveness. And whenever you accept the forgiveness of God, how does that change you when you realize that God's forgiven you? I don't know about you, but it it, there's freedom. You know, that there's freedom from guilt and angst I have my life. Yeah, I, I, in all honesty, there are some things that I can think of in my mind right now that I know were ungodly and that I did. And I look back and there's that sense of guilt but when I've called out to God for forgiveness, there is something freeing knowing that God is not hanging that over my head, saying, you know what, you did this and I cannot wait to bust your chops. God says, I forgive. And yet, the problem that I have is that God offers me forgiveness. And it is so. Tell me if this is true for you. Is it easy for you to think back on some things that you've done in your past and to dredge them up and to beat yourself over the head with them? Uh, Have you ever offered forgiveness to somebody, typically like your spouse, and then they kind of irritate you later on, and then you go back into their closet, and you pull out that past sin, and you beat them over the head with it? I know that doesn't happen with many of y'all, or with me. Uh, It doesn't happen to me either. But, folks, whenever we do that, you know what happens is we end up getting enslaved by the very thing that Jesus has given us freedom from. Because we have such a hard time changing out our wardrobe. Now, now why do we do this? Well, Paul mentions something that's rather interesting in the verse that we just read. Paul says this in verse number 18. He says, it's because we're darkened in our understanding because of our ignorance. Our ignorance, our ignorance of our faith. Ignorance very simply means a lack of knowledge. Whenever God gives us freedom it gives us forgiveness, that's what it means. He forgives us. He removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. But whenever we are ignorant of this, we hang on to our past sins. And, guys, we end up being enslaved. You know, whenever, whenever, a, baby, uh, whenever a baby is born, he's pretty helpless, isn't he? I mean, have you ever, have any of y'all ever seen a baby that was born and he came out walking, which would be frightening? Yeah, I'm talking about humans, not animals. Uh, you know, a baby's never born and he comes out talking. He doesn't come out, I mean, which would be just absolutely terrifying. Comes out and says, "Hey, mom, what's up? What's for, what's for dinner?" You know, that does not happen. A baby is completely helpless. Christians, we are not completely helpless when we have been touched by God because we have the power of God working in us. Now, how do we how do we develop? Our relationship with God so that we can grow more and more in Him. Well, we we have to immerse ourselves in the things of God. If you want to move out of ignorance, it is important for you to know what God's Word says. If you want to know how God desires for you to live, how God desires for you to treat others, how God shares with you, how He can transform your life, you need to immerse yourself in this book. That's why we encourage people read the Bible. Read the Bible because we believe that it's in this book where you receive from God a picture of who our God is. It's why we are promoting small groups, our V group ministries, so that we can get together as believers and we can discuss together how God's Word applies to our lives. But if we don't do that, what happens? We live in, in, in ignorance. Now ignorance can be cute when you're little. It's not so cute when you get older. Um, if you see a six-year-old, you let a six-year-old dress himself, and you see some of the stuff that he puts on, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of cute. Yeah, he's ignorant. He's a six-year-old kid. If he's twenty-six and he's still dressing that way, it's not that cute. Yeah, you know, it just and, and I and I say that because. Many of us as believers, we've been believers for a while, and yet we are living spiritually like a bunch of six-year-olds because we are ignorant of who God is. And so Paul says, if you want your wardrobe to change, there's some things you don't need to be wearing in your life, and one of them is having ignorance of your faith. He let me encourage you to read your Bible. Let me encourage you to be part of, of V-groups so that you can immerse yourself in who our God is. So Paul says remove ignorance of your faith. And he says also remove from your closet impurity in your actions. Now look in verse 19. He says you become callous. and You give yourselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity. With a desire for more and more. There's a lot of us that, that look and say if I just follow after Jesus. If I pray a prayer, the sinner's prayer. Then I'm covered and I can live like I want to. Have y'all have you ever thought that? You know, there's many of us that look at, at the Christian faith like it's fire insurance. You know, if I just go to church and I say, Jesus be my savior, then I'm good. I'm not going to go to hell, I'm going to go to heaven. But in the meantime, I can live and do whatever it is that I want to do. Now, there is great joy in knowing, and we, we have this feeling, I believe, because the Bible tells us that when we come into a relationship with God, that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Have you all heard that before? You know, we think of our parents. I think of my parents, and, and maybe this wasn't your experience, but I think it is for many of us in general. Um, my, my parents, and I, y'all, I, I made mistakes, but my parents, regardless, still love me. And we look at God and says, you know what, God's going to still love me. Even though I'm just going to totally do whatever it is that I want to do, God's still going to love me. But a demonstration of who you belong to comes about not necessarily just by what you say. You know, I can say things that I don't really mean. But the way you can find out what somebody really believes is by how they live. By the way they conduct themselves, that's what Jesus said in matthew seventeen he said, "You'll recognize them by their fruit you know you you'll know what a person really believes and what's really important to a person by how they live their life yeah you want, you want to know what's important to you, see what you prioritize in your life that's what that's what's important to you. That's why James said in James two eighteen but someone will say you have faith and I have works, show me your faith without works and I'll show you my I'll show you faith from my from my works now there's a balancing act here it's not that that I earn my way into God's good favor it's just that whenever you're touched by Jesus, guys you're going to live different because you love him now if you just simply ignore him all the time, you get callous towards the things of God uh, any of y'all, any of y'all play, any of y'all ever played the guitar before. You just just for fun. Who's played? the guitar? tried to play. Now you know what it's like whenever you first put your fingers on the chords, the very first time, and you start strumming, and it's got makes that vibrating sound. And they tell you you got to press down harder on the strings, right? It hurts. You remember that when you first start playing, it hurts. Brian Adams, y'all know that first little six string. Yeah, his fingers bled. Played it till his fingers bled. Now, there's a reason why I said that. It's because it hurts. It hurts. But but what? now I remember the first time I tried to play. The guy said just press down hard. I was like, man, this doesn't feel good. He said, well, you just keep doing it over and over again, then you're going to get calluses on your finger, and you won't even feel it anymore. A lot of us, that's what's happened with us and God. We've gotten so used to ignoring God and deciding we're going to live for ourselves that our hearts have been calloused towards God, and we just don't even feel Him anymore. We don't even, we don't even sense His leadership anymore. And so what happens, we walk right into sin. That's what Paul was talking about when he wrote in Romans one through 21-23, for although they knew God... They neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Now think about that. Their hearts became so callous to God that they began to worship statues. They begin to follow after stuff and things. You say, we don't do that. We don't worship statues anymore. Guys, we worship a lot of stuff now. We worship, we worship uh, material things. We worship sports. We worship you know, cars. Now, it might not be a stone uh, image of some kind of God, but we become very callous to the leadership of God to where we feel like that there are things out there that can give us satisfaction and joy in our lives when Paul's saying those things will destroy you. And so he's saying, listen, if you want to be who God wants you to be, you've got to change your wardrobe. And there's some things that you and I need to get out of our wardrobe in order to be the person that God desires us to be. We need to get rid of the ignorance from our, of our faith from our wardrobe. We need to remove impurity from our actions. And this is the last thing I want you to see for us to remove from our closet so, that we, can, so we can have the kind of wardrobe God wants us to have. And this is probably one of the most important ones. So one thing that you want to remove from your wardrobe is a trust in yourself. And you could expand that. A trust in yourself over a trust in God. Paul said, this is not how you learned about the Messiah, assuming you heard him and were taught by him, because the truth is in Jesus. He said, you took off your former way of life. The old man is corrupted by deceitful desires. You'll see that? You want to know why you want to take off the old wardrobe of living for yourself? He says, because you are being corrupted by your deceitful desires. He says, you're being renewed in the spirit of your minds with Jesus. You put on the new man, the one created according to God's likeness, the righteousness and purity of the truth. This is where we get the idea of what not to wear. Paul says, we are to lay aside our old way of life and put on the new. He says, because if you don't, he the clothes that you presently are wearing are corrupted. That word corrupted is an interesting word. It's, it's gross, but it gets the point across. That word corrupted is in reference to a rotting body. And Paul's saying there's a lot of you, and you'd rather wear clothes that are rotten, like a rotting body, instead of putting on the newness of life that Christ offers you. And you can look at that and say, that's crazy. Who in the world would do that? Back to what not to wear. Y'all ever watch that part, you know, whenever they get their old wardrobe and they start throwing the old clothes out? And there's some of those people, there will be a sweatshirt that is 16 sizes too big for them, holes all in it, and they will grab onto it and say, you can't throw that away. I look good in this. You can't throw that away because it makes me relaxed. It makes me feel comfortable. You know, my uh, my ex-boyfriend gave it to me. And it just makes me think of him. People hang on to that stuff, and they're being serious about it. And you think, man, you're crazy. And they start arguing. And the thing that cracks me up about that is that well, I don't watch anymore. The thing that used to crack me up about that is that, uh, is that the people, they're on the show for a reason. Why are they on the show? Because they dress horrible. And then they start telling the people this looks good. They start giving fashion advice to the people who are the experts. And I just sit there, and, I, and occasionally I, will, I would talk to the television, and go, that guy is a moron. Why is he doing that? But you know what? We did the same thing in our relationship with God. God says, this wardrobe is destructive. This wardrobe that you're hanging on to is corrupt. It is like a rotting body. And yet I'm willing to tell God, I look good in that. And I don't want to put on the newness of life that you give me. Because God, I think I know more than you. But what I've discovered is that I don't have any reason to give fashion advice. Because my spiritual vision is impaired. And I want you to know so is yours. So many people say, I'm just going to go with my heart. Man, that is the worst thing you can do. Don't ever go with your heart. Jeremiah seventeen nine says, The heart is more deceitful than anything else, and it's desperately sick. Who can understand it? So then what am I supposed to go with? I go with God. What does that mean I have to do? I have to trust God and quit trusting in me. Because me, I choose things that lead to death, that are corrupt. The last several months, I've, uh, I've watched the show Mad Men. I don't know if any of y'all have ever seen that show. Um, I've watched it. It's an interesting show. It's, it's set in the 1960s. It's about an advertising agency uh, or admin up in Manhattan. And you watch the show, and just real, I'll just be very brief. In the show, what the guys do, they're, it's all about them trying to get a bigger deal. It's all about them trying to make more money, have bigger houses, get certain people into bed, Sort of the the show, but what's interesting about the show? There's actually some spiritual truth in the show. And these guys, they're going through all of the stuff. It satisfies for a while, but then as time passes by, we're still empty. And there's this one scene where there's just a there's a great spiritual lesson in Mad Men. They're sitting at a bar, and one of the guys, as they've gone through all this stuff, and very successful man, he looks at his friend, and very being very serious, he says. Do you think this is all there is to life? He said, Surely there's got to be more. So why, why do we not hang on to our old wardrobe? Because when you do, you're going to come to that place where you're going to say, Is this all there is? I mean, really? You know, the stuff that we put so much of our lives into, guys, when it comes down to it, it doesn't satisfy. And so that's why Paul shares with us, let's get rid of some things in our wardrobe because God offers us a newness in life that will radically transform you. What are some things to get rid of? He says don't wear ignorance of your faith anymore. Know your faith. Don't wear impurity. Your actions matter. And the last thing he shares with us is don't wear trust in yourself because your heart is exceedingly wicked. but God isn't.